the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome to the Pro-America Report. I'm Ed Martin. Great to be with you. Those of you watching on uh, Periscope, thank you for tuning in. At Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter, if you're listening on the radio. we got folks all across the country who are tuned in and uh, paying attention. A great day, a great day in California to see a Democrat concede a congressional seat. Congressman-elect Garcia, has a Republican, has accepted that he won his race and he will be seated in Congress. That's big news. It's big news. But I don't want to talk about that today. We have some work to do uh, here, and I want to set this up. First of all, let me tell you that we are going to have um, – there is uh, a lot happening with Joe Biden. We'll talk about that. There's some happening uh, with the uh, Flynn case. We'll talk about some of that. And we will also, uh, maybe as important to all that, we'll get an update on the Clarence Thomas documentary that is going to air on PBS. If you can believe it, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> a conservative – documentary is going to air on PBS. It's a real credit to Michael Pack and his wife, Gina, two great documentary um, uh, filmmakers. And Michael will join us in a few minutes. I, I think we need to do as much as we can all the time to talk about how wonderful Justice Clarence Thomas's life story is and his life is because it's extraordinary. So we'll talk to him. All right. But before we get to that, let's talk about what you need to know. If you saw on my Periscope, just now at Eagle Ed Martin, for those of you listening on uh, the radio show, I put that up there with a headline. The headline was, In Praise of Sidney Powell. In Praise of Sidney Powell. And, and actually, what I was that going to write, but I don't like to write this phrase in writing. I was going to say, thank God for Sidney Powell. I just want to take a minute, more than a minute. I want to take a few minutes and talk about how important it is to understand what, oh, good point, Glenn. Oh, my gosh, Glenn, thank you. For those of you that are, I will get to that in a minute. We, I want to continue the effort to highlight the pledge, the Pledge of Allegiance, and we'll talk about that in a minute, too. But let me, Sidney Powell, I want to tell you the story of Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell, who has written a number of books, and they're right in front of me on my desk, actually, two of them. One of them is called Conviction Machine, which came out just a few weeks ago. The other one is called uh, The License to Lie. License to Lie is uh, the amazing uh, book here. You'll see it if you're on Periscope. License to Lie recants how the government prosecutors were abusing the American citizens. But Sidney Powell is a very prominent lawyer who has for many years practiced law across the country. And she's, you know, a formidable lawyer. She's kind of talented, experienced. You know, she's not a kid. She's not in her 20s. She's, I, I, she'll probably laugh at me when I say she's in her 50s, maybe mid 50s, low to mid 50s. I'm not sure. And she's, um, but she's practiced law across the country and everybody respected her. She was a prosecutor. She's a defense lawyer. Everybody respected her. She, she has a kind of universal respect. But about 10 years ago, she realized that there was a significant problem with the balance of power and the abuse of power by the prosecution in a certain number of cases. And not only did she start to speak about that and write about that and write books about that, but she's made public appearances in that line. And so much so that there were various places where in the salons of law, people got nervous. You know, people that are boat rockers, as we say, you know, the famous book in uh, the famous book in, in, in Field of Dreams, my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies. 
you know, the Terrence Mann character is supposed to be probably, uh, you know, a playoff of uh, uh, J.D. Salinger and others and, and the books, uh, the J.D. Salinger Catcher in the Rye. Uh, but the name of the book that sent the Kevin Costner character into uh, be rebellion was called The Boat Rockers. And it was supposed to be, it's a fictional title, fictional book. But, the, you know, Sidney Powell, accomplished attorney, a lawyer of sort of impeccable credentials, she was willing to rock the boat because she saw threats to the American way of life. And so she just charged ahead. And I don't think that you can say it would be a career enhancing move. Because she wrote a book called License to Lie, in which she talked about how prosecutors in these cases against some of the uh, Arthur Anderson uh, people and some of the major cases, white collar uh, fraud, that they, the prosecutors were unfair, took advantage, weren't, didn't play right. And as you write these, it's not exactly to your advantage to be known as a boat rocker. You know, it's not it's not a, a it's not a political or economic advantage. Her other book, by the way, is called uh, Conviction Machine, uh, which I also hold up there. But but she did it. And so about two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago, she came to speak at one of our events and I saw her. She's, she's dynamic. She's very tall. She's, you know, she's, uh, stately. She's just a, she's an attractive person, attractive woman. And she just has real, you know, charisma is a, is something like, uh, you know, attractiveness plus power and kind of knowing how to handle it. She just knows how to carry herself in a group of, 10 people, activists, or in before 200 people at a, you know, major dinner. She could do it in either place. And I saw her doing all the places, signing books or making small talk, whatever it was. And so she's very, so up till then, if I told you that was her career, you'd say, wow, that's a pretty great career or pretty, an outstanding career in the law. And then she took what is the most courageous thing that you've ever seen. She started to advocate about the reality of what was happening to General Mike Flynn and what she saw. She wasn't his lawyer. She was an observer. And she did columns and she wrote the truth about it. And she went out and spoke. And she was on talk shows like this one. She'd been on my show before. And she said, let me just tell you the truth. They're treating this guy wrong. And I bet, she didn't know for sure, I bet that they're hiding stuff and they're abusing their power. And they're not she said, I just know this group. I know the experience. I've seen it. I can see what the problem is. And she went out. And again, now, if you were a boat rocker in the law, in the very staid institution of legal practice, just being a boat rocker like Sidney Powell was till two years ago was not, again, was not, it wasn't to your advantage. It You had to be confident enough in what you were doing to just not mind. People probably weren't very nice. I think I know that she was uninvited to some of the bar uh, events that she used to go to because they didn't want to be around a boat rocker. That's one thing. That courage is real. That courage is real. But the courage of taking a step to take on the powers that be in what can be described as the deep state or the traditional inside DC, whatever the swamp, whatever you want to call it, that's real courage. And her advocacy for General Flynn before she was hired as his lawyer was extraordinary. Again, extraordinary, articulate, intelligent, intuitive, as well as kind of an analytical. I mean, she just had it all. And then General Flynn, who felt like he was in a desperate place in his, in his life, in his, in his uh, legal battle, hired her. And you, I mean, if you, somebody who works so hard, like Sidney Powell did, and goes and figures out how to make the arguments and pull the string on this Gordian knot of horrendous treatment and did it. 
And now there's more uh, junk that the judge is doing today. But the, the long and the short of it is that that Sidney Powell's advocacy of General Mike Flynn, one of the great American leaders we've had, General Flynn, and her advocacy was miraculous. That's the only phrase you could use. It was what she did was miraculous. But what she did was miraculous. But the reason why it was the miracle was able to take place was because she had the courage to enter the arena, to enter the fray, to be in the fight and to take the chance to be in the fight, not just commentate. A lot of people write commentaries. A lot of people have deep thoughts on the sidelines to enter the fray. Sidney Powell changed America, probably saved America, part of saving America, because she was not afraid to get in the fray. And, and the, when they write the history books on her, and they will, they'll say this is one of the most extraordinary legal efforts, legal uh, careers, coupled with real monumental courage, willingness to risk your own reputation, your own livelihood, your own future to stand up for what you believe. It's unbelievable. History will be written uh, by the winners. So, you know, you never know who will write some of the history, but God will know the truth of what Sidney Powell has done for this country, for America, for the people around us, for what you see. It's an extraordinary thing. And there's lots more fights to be had. The judges are doing sorts of crazy things. But what you need to know is that among us are heroes often. And you may not see them as they come rushing through your TV or your newspaper or your life. You know, the political coverage or the current events or whatever. Sometimes you see them. Sometimes they're identified for you. But sometimes you have to pause. And what you need to know is if you pause and look closely at Sidney Powell and what she's done... It's a monumental service to our nation, to people like General Flynn and, and all, but it's a credit to the Lord who creates people and, and people who care and love and think and are smart. It's unbelievable what she did. Sidney Powell is one of the greatest Americans of this time period. This, these decades around here will be remembering, her name will be remembered for her goodness, her wit, her wisdom, her smarts, but for her courage. Oh, what courage. Extraordinary. So I uh, just wanted to, I wanted to pause and make sure what you knew, what you know, what you need to know is how great and how wonderful and how we should be praising Sidney Powell and thanking the good Lord for bringing her into our uh, lives and what she needed. Uh, and yeah, that's right. She's needed all over the place. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin. The Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Uh, welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in The Pro-America Report. Our next guest is like, he's like a co-host now. He's been on the program a couple times, and he's uh, his name is Michael Pack, and he and his wife Gina are the extraordinary filmmakers who put together this documentary on Justice Thomas, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, who, of course, is a, a, a great, um, I'm a great admirer of his. And uh, Michael Pack, welcome back, sir. How are you? Thank you, and I, and I appreciate being on your show several times. I appreciate the support, Ed. Thank you. Well, well, it's 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 support that's well earned. And again, the website is justicethomasmovie.com, justicethomasmovie.com. And it's a the, the the documentary is called Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in his own words. And I I'll say the website a couple of times because the big news here is Michael and Gina Pack uh, made this documentary. I remember I went with my wife to a grand premiere down in the Georgetown section of D.C. It was incredible to watch. And then afterwards, they took questions, a bunch of people. And one of the things that he said, I remember vividly, Michael, you saying, 
saying, you know, we do this kind of documentary. We want to help people get out and see it. And we also want to hopefully do it in such a way that people want to put it up on TV. And, you know, the gold standard, I think, was PBS. Well, lo and behold, on, on Monday, this coming Monday, the 18th of May, the, the documentary on Clarence Thomas will be on PBS in the evening. Check your local listings, probably 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock, depending on your local PBS. But And you can go to the website and find that out. But, Michael, is that the gold standard? If you're, writing a, if you're doing a documentary, you've done a lot of them. You, you want to get a wide distribution. Is PBS sort of the, the top of the line? I think it is. In our own case in particular, we really want people who may not agree with Justice Thomas to see the film, and I think I can count on many PBS viewers to be in that group. I think his story is an important story, and his view of the world is important, and it's, it's, it's worth it to get people who don't agree with him to at least understand it, to, to have some feeling for where he came from. Um, we're talking with Michael Pack, and Michael's the president. His company is called Manifold Productions. And 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 Michael, you've done a, a number of documentaries. So how do you pick the subject? I mean, you can't be totally without some idea of what would be popular, meaning people would want to see it, right? You know, you, you know, a, a documentary on your on your backyard may be really interesting to your family, but it's not. Well, in this time, it maybe people are sick of their backyard. But so how do you how did you pick this topic? And then more importantly, to set that context, what other documentaries? I mean, how did you become a documentary filmmaker? How do you pick that up? Is it something you do? Well, I. I... Uh, you know, after college, I had took, took some film courses at NYU, and after that, I sort of gravitated to filmmaking, and I became a documentary filmmaker. To I, I, all my friends from NYU were making left of center documentaries at the time, pro nuclear freeze, if you remember that, you know, <laughs> yeah. pro radical environmentalism, sympathetic to the Soviet Union, anti capitalist. I thought, well, my then partner and I thought, well, we'll make the counter documentaries for a while, and we'll shoot this little movement down. But it was ended up being a lifelong <laughs> campaign. Um, so, you know, what you don't know when you're in your 20s, you know, there's a, a book to be written about that. I have three sons right, right. in their 20s, so I'm re-experiencing it. But, but look, I look for films, for subjects that are... Now, you work on these films for three years. This is Clarence Thomas film over three years. You have to have some topic that engages you enough to put that kind of work into it. It has to be something of real national importance. And I look for something. Most of my films have been on PBS. The PBS would possibly broadcast. And, and, and just as Thomas' story fit that bill. But more importantly, I mean, I, I think I might have mentioned this earlier. It came to pass because mutual friends of Justice Thomas and mine were, were, had told me that he was getting discouraged by the people who he hated or disliked him, telling his story with lies and distortions and half-truths, and was open to telling his story. So I met with him, and I hadn't know, didn't know much about him at the time, but after meeting with him even once and reading his memoir, it's obvious that he had a great story to, to tell, a really great story. No documentary producer could possibly resist. I mean, you know you've seen the film, but, you know, going from dire poverty in the segregated South to the highest court in the land at one level is just a great American success story, a Horatio Alger story. But it has these twists and turns, uh, you know, personal as well as spiritual as well as ideological that really make it powerful. Uh, Michael, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask about uh, this is that you, you this documentary you did in... Um 
it, the interviews, the way when you watch it, you see, uh, and his voice is so powerful, Clarence Thomas. It, you know, a lot of documentaries, and, and of course, interspersed are photos and images and all kinds of things back from the the, the period of time where you know in his life. But you you, you have his words, and it's a, it's got this kind of hypnotic effect in a way, very different than I expected. Did that was that what you planned? I mean, how did you come to that conclusion? Well, after meeting Justice Thomas, uh, my first idea was to do a traditional documentary, interviewing 30 or so people across the political spectrum. But I thought his voice would get lost. And, and in meeting him, I discovered, which not everyone has, that he has not just a great story, but is himself a great storyteller. He has a wonderful, deep voice. Uh, and he's just, he, he is naturally sort of anecdotal rather than theoretical. You might not think so, uh, based on his reputation or, or imagining it. But he is. He's a natural storyteller. And that's a rare quality to have in a subject. So I, I realized that it could work this way. And so I, I, I luckily was able to convince him. And as you know, he, he, he and Ginny are the only ones interviewed in the film. And he gave us 30 hours of interview time over a six month mm. period. Very generous trusted us to tell the story with no editorial input um, or control. So I did aim for that effect. I mean, we I have to say, you know, documentary is a, a collaborative experience. I think my cameraman did a great job with the set and the lighting and the camera setup mm -hmm. so that you get the feeling that he's talking right to you, which is not as easy to get as you might think. Yeah, that's a, that. That is the effect. Also, I mean, it's partly he does have this unbelievable charisma. You know, it's it's kind of you you he, you can't take your eyes off him. You can't stop listening to him. It's uh, and when he speaks and, and I, he was reading some of his uh, memoirs. I think used some of his reading of his own writing. It's a very powerful. Um, we're talking with Michael Pack again. The website is justicethomasmovie.com. Justicethomasmovie.com. It will be airing nationally on PBS. A great victory to have a I, I, I would say a, a center right or more conservative yeah. documentary to be out on PBS and it, it'll be in the evening depending on where you live check your local listings um, Michael is the um, how, how has it been received because when I saw it in December it was just the beginning is it is it is PBS an indication that it's it's noteworthy for its quality which I think is real is or is it an indication of popularity or is it both or how has it been received well, as you know, since you saw it you know, in a theater, it has been in movie theaters first. So we released it into movie theaters right. in, in late January when there were still movie theaters to release it to. And, it, and usually documentaries in five or ten theaters, we were lucky to be in 110. And it did really well. We had a lot of positive press also viewable on our website. You know, um, Kathleen Parker wrote a, a nice op-ed called Clarence Thomas, American Hero, and a whole bunch of pieces, Time Magazine, and et cetera. And it has been well-received. But I, I will say this for PBS, that they have been supportive of it well before that, and they have been supportive of it huh. right from the start. Um, I've, been made, I've made over 15 films with them, documentaries, for some reason, and I actually can't even fathom this, Ed. This is one they're the most enthusiastic about. So I think huh. that's to their credit. Um, uh, and, yeah. and, I, and I, right from the top, the president of PBS, right away enthusiastic, the head of, of programming, Gary Simon, and the president of PBS said, you know, we not, I think they like that it's him in his own words. It doesn't pretend yeah. to be an objective portrait of the times. It, it's his view of what his life was like. They all felt that that is something PBS should give its viewers. And I think that's really to their credit. So I, I can't really complain. Their support yeah. has been great. 
That is that, that is that is extraordinary. Again, uh, I'll make sure I want to we'll put it up on social media too. But justicethomasmovie dot com, and on the homepage you'll get a, a, a the ability to figure out how to watch it and, and go there. All right, Michael, I would be remiss as a as a journalist if I didn't say I know you've nominated, you got some attention recently as the head of the U.S. Agency for Global Media, and I know we talked off the air for a moment. But tell us where that is in the process. That's a, that's for those that know. It used to be called the Broadcasting Board of Governors. It includes Voice of America, Radio Free Europe. It's a big appointment in the in the federal government and, and tell us where that process is please well it, it's uh, i had my hearing at the senate foreign relations committee and now it has to be voted by that committee um i think they're trying to schedule it maybe for next week who knows so it's in a kind of limbo Beyond that, I, I can't comment too much i, I think it would be i'm yeah. honored that the president selected me for this and I think it's a very important agency and i hope i couldn't do good there um yeah. So that's the word. Good. Well, we'll keep we'll keep, yeah we'll keep an eye on it, and we appreciate. It. I've heard so many good things about that appointment, and you're fit for it. So uh, thank you, Michael Pack. Uh, thanks for the the documentary. And again, it's it's called Created Equal. Clarence Thomas in his own words. And you can go to justicethomasmovie dot com to find out more. Again, Monday night, May eighteenth, it'll be on PBS all across the country. Thanks, Michael. We'll talk again soon. Thank you very much, Ed. All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I have a friend. Sounds like a speech. I have a friend, a friend of mine named Shaq Hill, who's a great conservative guy, Air Force Academy grad. I sent him an image the other day. The Air Force Academy was graduating, and they had to graduate with social distancing, so they were all sitting far apart and all. He immediately sent me back a photo of his graduation 142 years ago when he was young, and he has uh, run for office in the great Commonwealth of Virginia. He has led the pro-life fight in Virginia. He's helped President Trump get elected, although he didn't win Virginia, and he's just uh, got a good sense. And about a week ago, he Ten days ago, Shaq, I guess, he texted me and said, the Tara Reid thing is going to be a real problem for Biden this week. And I was like, okay, you know, people have been saying something. And it was right when it picked up and blew up. So first of all, welcome, Shaq, to the program. How are you? Well, thank you, uh, Ed, for having me. I'm doing great. Um, so first, how are you? What's Virginia? And I mean, I'm a resident, so I've talked a little bit about it. But you, you've been in Virginia longer and have, I think, a sense of the whole state. What's the what's going on now with the with the sort of uh, great quarantine and where we're going? I know Northam, the governor, uh, has a, a different set of rules for Northern Virginia, which doesn't seem too odd to me. I guess it could be different places. But give us a rundown of the Commonwealth of Virginia in this time. Well, right now, the Commonwealth is in disarray. The Democrats are fully in charge and they're unconstitutionally mandating the shutdown. And the big the biggest example, Ed, there's really two, uh, but the biggest example is in our town of Bristol. Bristol is a, is a town that has about 17,000 inhabitants on the Virginia side. And there is literally a street that runs east to west in Bristol, and the north part of that road is in Virginia, and the south part of that road is in Tennessee. And if you're heading, right, if you're heading west... 
22-year-old stopping grounds in Missouri, you're in Virginia. If you do a U-turn and on the exact same road and you're heading back, you're in Tennessee. And the Tennessee governor is a Republican governor, and he has opened his state. And the Democrat governor of Virginia, um, Blackface Northam, it has closed the north side of the street, and it's absolutely ridiculous. To put it in perspective, the Metroplex yeah. of Bristol is about 46,000 people, including the Tennessee side and the Virginia side. In the Virginia side, there have been three cases of COVID-19. None have been hospitalized, and there's been no deaths. On the Tennessee side, there's been... A handful of hospitalizations and three, uh, three on respirators and one death. And forty-six thousand people. There's been one death. So the so the Tennessee governor, who's a Republican, has opened up his side of the street, and they are now in business. And wow. the Virginia side is not, and it's closed. So this is not. I hope. I hope, Ed, it's not a Republican and Democrat issue, although it's shaping up to be, because right now it should be an American issue, and in particular a Virginia issue, because if COVID's on that side of the street, it's on this side of the street, and if it's not on that side of the street, it's not on this side of the street. The other case, which is quite glaring, is uh, Northam shut down all the non-essential businesses, and he coded indoor shooting ranges as entertainment and they got shut down well you know that that's a constitutional right to to keep and bear arms that shall not be infringed well there was a lawsuit in lynchburg and that lawsuit said that the governor had overreached and the local elected circuit judge judge yeats actually ruled in favor of the uh in favor of the second amendment and said that no emergency order that the governor issues can ever trump the constitution. Now, interestingly enough in Northern Virginia in federal court, there was a lawsuit to, to allow the fourth amendment, the right to assemble to be overturned in Virginia and a Clinton era appointee ruled that the governor had the power to circumvent our fourth amendment right and the right to assemble. So the whole state's in chaos. And to your point down in the Southern part of Virginia and the Western part of Virginia, there are literally some counties that have no cases of COVID-19 and yet they're closed about to be reopened starting tomorrow. And the northern part of Virginia has two more weeks. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, and Shaq, uh, we're talking with Shaq Hill. And, and Shaq, is the, um, is the response here's – here's the thing that I really would trust your judgment. Again, you know, Shaq, uh, uh, for our listeners, he's been on the program before, but he's led in the pro-life fight. He's been uh, involved in conservative politics and helped President Trump get elected. And um, But – 
do the people get it? I mean, and I'm, this, you know, we always wonder if the voters get something. But I mean, it's such a funny moment, right? There is enough. Uh, that, and even President Trump was someone who many, many listeners and, and people, I do trust him and his judgment. And he says this is bad. Therefore, we have to make some adjustments. So do the people get the moment we're in now? Are they divided? Are they coming to a consensus in terms of how we have to get back to something like our lives and take the risks we have to? I mean, what's your sense of the of how the people? in Virginia reacting? I think that when this originally came out, I think that we believed what they were telling us. We thought that this was going to be a really a pandemic. We thought that there was going to be multiple deaths and the number 2.2 million was something that we were told. But now we can look around the globe and we can see that some countries never even closed and their their infectious rates and death rates are below other countries that did close in quarantine. And the thing that you have to remember, and the people have not forgotten this, that the whole purpose of the social distancing, staying at home, not going out, not assembling, was to flatten the curve. And the reason we wanted to flatten the curve was not to end the COVID virus. It was not to stop it. It was to prevent the hospitals from being overrun. Well, guess what? Hmm. There's not a single hospital anywhere in our country to include the hotspot of New York City, but nowhere in our country are the hospitals overrun. So the science is no longer showing us that this is nearly as bad as we thought it might have been. And I think the people are getting it. So every Wednesday, for the last couple of Wednesdays, State Senator Amanda Chase, and you're going to want to remember her name. I think she's going to be the next governor of Virginia. But State Senator Amanda Chase is leading the push to keep to to get Virginia open. And what's happening is cars are encircling the Capitol and they're running around the Capitol because that coincides with the time that Northam's giving his weekly update. And as they're going around, they're honking, they're waving signs. The, the It's bumper to bumper to bumper. I mean, it's amazing to see the people that are coming out. Amanda Chase has done a great job leading the effort, and they are getting it. The people are getting it. Huh. Um, Jack Hill, before we lose you, when time runs out, uh, you, you told me about 10 days ago, you tweeted, t- texted me and said, hey, the, Joe Biden is going to take on water on this uh, Tara Reid accusation. First of all, good job. I mean, congratulations on knowing and seeing something, uh, picking that up. But has it gone away now? I mean, has the media t- shifted to the next thing and, and effectively the Democrats been able to, you know, deflect uh, this issue? Or you think it's really a, an anchor around the Biden's campaign? It's an anchor. Uh, New York Times yesterday put out a piece um, talking about the Tara Reid. It's starting to hit the mainstream. And one of the things that you know is that the more it looks like Trump's going to win, mm-hmm. then the more the Democrats are not going to care about whether whether Biden's a sacrificial lamb or not. But if it looks like Trump is vulnerable they're going to they're going to bump uh Biden out and i think they're going to they're going to uh and to say bump him out let me be clear they're going to use some kind of of um of uh convention you know uh, rules manipulation yeah. and and probably just flat out say that he's you know as much as we like him he's he's just really not there he's not fit to be the commander in chief and i think somebody other than him uh so secretary bennett 
of the of um, the Bush time and Reagan time uh, has a fifty fifty yeah. chance that Biden is not the nominee, huh. and I think that Tara Reid wow. will gain speed. Yep, as Tara Reid huh. and her accusations will gain speed, it will be an albatross that remains around his neck. All right. You heard it here first. Thanks, Shaq Hill. Uh, We appreciate it. We'll have you back on again. Uh, Stay well, and we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Let me tell you about a rare unanimous decision by the U.S. Supreme Court on a controversial redistricting issue. Every 10 years, we have a national census, as required by the Constitution, and congressional districts must be redrawn to reflect the shifting and growing population. Texas added 4 million new residents in the 2010 census, entitling it to four new seats in Congress. The Texas legislature redrew its districts to comply with the new census, but its work was then challenged in federal court in Texas. In an example of judicial activism, the court replaced the legislature's work with its own, giving Democrats a net gain of about five congressional seats. Texas appealed quickly to the U.S. Supreme Court, which reversed the lower court's decision. The Supreme Court held that the lower court should have deferred far more to the legislature-drawn maps. The most significant part of the Supreme Court's decision, in addition to rejecting judicial activism, was how it expressly repudiated the concept of minority coalition districts that was approved by the lower court. A minority coalition district combines two different minorities, such as Hispanics and African Americans, in order to make the sum of their populations a majority of the district. Because Hispanics and blacks typically vote for Democrats, the real effect of forming minority coalition districts would be to expand the number of Democratic majority districts. The Voting Rights Act allows and even requires the creation of black majority districts based on a theory of discrimination against that specific minority group. In tossing out the judge-drawn maps, the Supreme Court properly closed the door against politicized minority coalition redistricting. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. (laughs) 
Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Another great show. Thank you for tuning in. Let me remind you, you can go to edmartinlive.com and sign up right there for all of the updates on what I'm up to. And also the Answer San Diego, of course, will get you uh, all the things you really need in life, especially the show as a podcast and Andrea Kay's show as a podcast and other details. Um, now, I did get a listener. I, I, I don't do it enough. I don't tell you how to get to me enough in terms of listeners, emails and other things. But here is an email from uh, one of the... Um, uh, listeners, and <laughs> this is, uh, Pat. I think though I know it's a, a woman, Pat, uh, must be Patricia. And she writes me this. It says, I was thinking this. I was thinking this after listening to your show the other night. If you think about it, we're kind of living in AOC's new green deal. We'll all be working from home. There's fewer flights and no fossil fuel. No trucking. We'll be living off whatever small slice of land we can use for a garden. No more meat. All cows and other animals eliminated because we can't raise them in our yards and can't transport them to stores. We see an endangered, uh, we could see an endangered list of animals with farm animals on it. <laughs> the only difference is that we will come out of this. If her new green deal comes in, it will be forever because we'll lose our way of life. We may never get it back. And then at the end, I like this, Pat. Then tonight I see that Biden is putting AOC on a committee for global warming if he wins. Yikes. Kind of a good point. Think about it. I was reading her email, so maybe I'll state it back again. This lockdown, this two-month, you know, sort of quarantine has been the whole country. You know, you, you, you can't go to the stores. You're not going as everything is less. You don't have as there's no there's no planes going. There's no cars going. There's no trucks. Gasoline goes down to the, no cost nothing because nobody's driving. And her point, you know, it's a great point. That if you had to live like this forever, it'd be really strange and weird. Isn't that what we went through? The beauty of this is we're getting out of this. We're going to go back. It may take a while for the economy to recover. We're going back. We're getting out of this. With AOC, you'd be stuck forever. You'd get rid of the planes. You'd get rid of animals. You'd get rid of trucks. You'd get rid of... I mean, it, it is a crazy theory. I don't even think, though, that anybody thinks she's serious, AOC. I think she's like the CNN of political uh, uh, political people. She talks to a slice of the crowd and keeps them rabid, keeps them agitated. And when she talks to that slice of the crowd, she's not actually talking serious. If you go and watch CNN right now, they're not even, you can't even take them serious. It's like comedy. But for the slice of the crowd that likes what they're, that goes to CNN and believes them, it keeps them on edge. I was on a phone call today with uh, two of my, uh, or Zoom call with two of my classmates from college. Uh, the three of us lived together for the last year, for senior year. And we were discussing stuff and we were talking. And, and my friend said that one of the guys, he's a very bright guy, PhD in physics engineering from UVA. And he does like uh, analytic work, like a researcher kind of thing. And he said, um, he said about very smart. I mean, very smart guy, thoughtful guy. And he said, you know, I used to think CNN told the truth until Trump won. And then I realized that they're not telling the truth. And the question in your head could be, well, did they used to tell the truth? Maybe they did or maybe they didn't. Who knows? But right now what CNN does is talk to their audience, their slice of America, and keep them, frankly, brainwashed. And others do the same, by the way. There'll be times where Fox News is talking in such a way they're just keeping their group brainwashed. I don't think AOC is a real candidate, a real political leader. She's just talking to her group. Her slice is who she's talking to of the, of the electorate, of the people. And so therefore she says these things that are, you know, they're implausible, not impo not just impossible, not just implausible there. I mean, not, excuse me, not just implausible, not just impractical, impractical. They're impossible to accomplish, but it doesn't matter because the slice that she's talking to 
is a slice that doesn't care. They don't care to be engaged on anything that's really uh, reality. And I think that's the problem. And I, I, you know, I was on, I did a radio interview with a radio uh, uh, show in, um, in uh, Champaign, Urbana, in Illinois, a show that I'm on pretty frequently on Wednesday mornings. And it's, it's uh, the, the host's name is Stevie J. His brother, uh, who lives in Louisiana, comes on frequently and is, an, is a rabid promoter of term limits. And I was a supporter of term limits. I still support them. I don't think you can get them passed for Congress because the power is too big and too too strong. So I've, I've had a long track record of believing term limits would be great. Uh, but... The, you ever, if you ever could, uh, could design a reform that would stop this insanity of AOC, it would be the, the dream world. You can't get there, but the dream world of, of congressional districts that actually are competitive. Because AOC is in a safe district. She cannot lose her seat. I guess she could be challenged in the primary. She does have an opponent, but she can't lose. Nancy Pelosi can't lose her seat. You know, the, the congressional districts are gerrymandered in such a way that the powerful protect themselves and can never lose their seats. So you don't have to communicate broadly to your uh, electorate. You, if you're, if you're Maxine Waters, more than half of the residents in your, of the citizens, not residents, residents in your district are non-American citizens. They're illegals. That's just the facts. You don't have to communicate to win your race. You don't have to communicate to anyone other than your slice. So you get slices. Everybody's sliced up and they're not communicating. Bro, that's why the House is so different than the Senate or different than governor's races or others, because the House districts are carved up. So uh, U.S. House districts are carved up so uh, small and, and tight. Well, uh, thank you for that email from um, uh, Pat. Uh, and if, for, if you want to email me, if you would like to email me, you can email me directly, ed at edmartinlive.com, ed at edmartinlive.com, or you can uh, text me, 314-256-1776. Folks like to text a lot, 314-256-1776. I'm on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin, every day. Noon, high noon Pacific time. I do a periscope right before the show, before I record part of the show. And so you can go at high noon and see the first uh, conversation of the day. If you need a fix uh, before the, the show is on, you can go there and catch that. And uh, you can go on Facebook. It's Ed Martin Live on Facebook and uh, go there. And again, go to edmartinlive.com and sign up for the email updates that come out at 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time every single morning, five days a week, weekdays, and you'll get those in your inbox. All right. Thank you, as always, to our fearless technical director, Noah, for keeping us on time and delivering the product, putting it all together. Thank you to Joanna for helping book these great guests. Don't forget, visit TheAnswerSanDiego.com to get uh, all the details on the show and download a podcast wherever you get podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, or TheAnswerSanDiego.com. You'll find it all there. And we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then.